Dumble Blabendorf. That's my name. <laughs> Dumble Blabendorf. Dumble Blabendorf. Yeah, that's me. Uh, Wiz Wombidoo, everybody. <laughs> Wiz Wombidoo to all of you. <laughs> Hello. Hello, everyone. Today is a special day. It's very exciting for me. It's Harry Potter Day. It is. Today is the day that the first Harry Potter film came out. Harry Potter. And we're not going to talk about the other seven. No, we might want to save those. Um, I just I have some interesting facts to talk about about when they were you know casting it and starting it. And you're gonna watch Ike learn uh, his first lesson about yeah. Harry Potter, kind of right, like I did with the Hobbits. Right after this high five. Ow! <laughs> Ow! That My was... fingers went backwards. <laughs> I thought we were gonna do an air five, and then you. Ah, I wanted a, the sound. Oh, that that was the worst thing we ever that, done. On this show. That hurt so bad. My my fingers went back. Okay, right after this. Okay, bye. Are we ready to begin? Good morning. My name is Misty. Come on, Ike. It's time. We would be honored if you would join us. The greatest adventure of all time. We just become best friends. Yep. Come on, let's get in the car. Blippin' yeah. bloppin' pow. I love your words that you're making up. They're very close. I have a little bit of experience with Harry Potter, in all fairness. Okay. I filmed the opening of the Harry Potter... Uh, the land. Land at Universal. Right. Uh, I had so a, I went in the wand room, and uh-huh. I got to ride the rides before the general public. I have a special wand from that, because one of my friends was the lighting director, and he got me a wand from the opening. The funny thing I thought... Uh, there's two funny things about the Harry Potter world. You have to, there's exhibits where if you wave the wand that was chosen for it you, it does stuff. It does stuff. Yeah, it's super cool. Marketing genius. Genius. Hey, you can't experience the whole. You just paid seventy bucks to get in here. Yeah. You can't do all the stuff without spending another hundred and fifty bucks. The wands are that expensive. Well, the thing is, you go through this exhibit, right? And then the wand picks you, and the most expensive mm-hmm. wand picks everybody. It's so funny. Uh, anyway. Um, well, I want to start out by telling a very quick story about J.K. Rowling. Um, okay. So she has an impre- a pretty incredible backstory of how Harry Potter came to be. And don't get me wrong, she's been in the news in the last year or so with some pretty unsavory things. But we're just like gonna, what? I'm not going to get into it. And we're going to bypass it. Um, she's a little transphobic um, and likes to talk about it a lot. Which is really weird because her creative mind came up with such an imaginary world uh, where, you know, the whole point was that children were accepted for who they were. Um, So it's very strange. Anyways, J.K. Rowling was divorced. I believe she had three kids. She was basically broke, um, had zero money, had... Nowhere to sit down and write. So she would go into a cafe and order like one cup of tea and sit and write. And she came up with Harry Potter. It got rejected like 17 times before somebody got a hold of it and went, wow, this is a thing that we should put out. This is incredible. Kind of like your book. It's going to be like my book. It's going to be like your book. She also talks about um, how she was incredibly, incredibly depressed and was going through like this really dark time in her life when she wrote all of this wonderful imaginary land for children. 
and which turned into something that not just kids loved. Like it's, I, I read the books as an adult. They're absolutely amazing. So it just kind of proves that like you can be going through like one of the darkest periods in your life thinking that literally you're not going to be able to pay your rent and just in that bare tiny amount of time, your whole life can change. If you put in a lot of work. Absolutely. And she did. Um, So, I mean, obviously Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone in 1987 came out. Um, It kicked off the entire series. It came out in 1987? 97. Oh, I was like, man, I heard about them real late. So in 2000, that's when Warner Brothers began to adapt the films. And that is, I mean, it was, the the fandom reached like epic, epic, epic proportions. Um, So between, let's see, between 2000 and 2011 is when all of the movies came out. Um, So J.K. Rowling almost played Harry Potter's mother, Lily Potter, in the movies. Hilarious. The woman that was responsible for all the Harry Potter magic um, nearly ended up in the movies, but opted out. She wrote on her website that she was offered the part of Harry's mother, Lily Potter, during the filming process for the first movie, saying that she was not cut out to be an actor, not even in a small role. Which I think is um, pretty interesting. And she's right. I mean, Harry's mom did only play in not very many scenes at all. But yeah. Um, this is one of my favorite facts, and I love this very, very much. There is a character named Hagrid, and he is a big giant man, and he's wonderful and lovely and the purest of all the pure people in all of the Harry Potters. And he was almost played by Robin Williams. Oh. Yep. A huge fan of the books, Robin asked to play Hagrid when he found out about the movie. Unfortunately, one of Rowling's strictest requests for the movie was that cast only included British actors, so Williams, an American, wasn't even allowed to audition. That's interesting. I wonder why she asked for that. Um, I think she wanted to help fuel the British film business, you know? Like, I mean, it was very clear from that point the studio planned on putting a lot of money into this. So she wanted to put that money back into the film economy there. But here's something that I think is kind of interesting about it is that didn't apply to directors because initially Steven Spielberg was on board to direct the first Potter film. He dropped out after a few months of working on the movie. Spielberg has said he was not ready to make an all kids movie and that he did not see the movie as challenging enough for him. And the job went to Chris Columbus. Chris Columbus, also known for a lot Lots of things. Some of those 80s movies mm-hmm. we're big fans of. Absolutely. Um, yep. So, do you want to know how old the cast was when the first one came out? They were tiny. Yeah, I've got conflicting reports. Some of them say that Daniel Radcliffe was 11. Some say he was 12. He was uh, probably like 11 when they first started and very quickly turned 12. Yeah. That'd be my guess. They were so little. Um... I went to, <clears throat> so you can go and see the soundstage and it's about an hour outside of London and you take a train and then you get off at this stop and the very famous night bus comes and gets you and takes you out to the soundstage. Nice. And you get to walk through the whole thing and they have so many of the props and costumes and whatever. One of my favorite things is that they had the beds from throughout all of the movies. 
So they had the beds that they slept in in the very first movie, and then you got to see the progress of how the beds grew uh, as they got older. Yeah. And how, you know, that obviously they were growing, but they were so little when it started. Little but rich. Uh, they are that. <laughs> as a youngster, Daniel Radcliffe earned almost $1 million for the first film. Mm-hmm. But since we're not talking about the other films, I'll tell you what he made on those anyway. Uh, he made $3 million for the second and six million for the third. So by the time uh, they were making the fourth one, he had already made ten million dollars. Wow! Nice, well done. Um, did you know that Emma Watson had never acted before Harry Potter? I mean, at she was all? what eleven uh, when it started. So, so this story—I've never heard this. This is crazy. During the casting process. The film's team went to schools all over England, searching for the perfect young actors to play the movie's lead trio. She had never acted professionally at the time and was super nervous to be among the group of 20 girls from her school to audition for the part of Hermione. She admitted she was intimidated by the other girls who had more acting experience, and all of them seemed to bond with the boys auditioning for Harry better, but she felt like she was perfect for the part. And they agreed. She was right. She was perfect. In fact, the first one, two, three, four things she ever acted in. Yeah. Like was that's that she auditioned at her school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like had no intention of being an actress. And was just like, sure, why not? And became Hermione. Yep. She'd only done three other <laughs> things between two thousand one and two thousand ten. She was only in three other things, two of which were voice things. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And now she's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah. So one of the big things about Harry Potter are the owls. So there are a lot of owls in Harry Potter. And who? Owls. Who? 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of the biggest undertakings in bringing the whole Harry Potter thing to life was training the owls because they, in the movie, they deliver mail. So the process took months. The production team um, was able finally to get the owls to carry letters to the actors. Where? <laughs> to add even more realism, the production team hand wrote all of those Hogwarts acceptance letters the owls brought to the Dursley's house in the first film. They were all handwritten out invitations to come to school. It, um, the box office on this thing is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. What it, is it? Tell me. It became a critical and commercial success, grossing over $974 million at the box office worldwide during its initial run and over $1 billion in its subsequent re-releases. It became wow. the highest grossing film of 2001 and the second highest grossing film at the time. Which is weird because it wasn't on our list of highest grossing movies of all time. Because it's been outgrossed since then, but at the time. I mean, it wasn't even in the top 100 on our list, was it? I think so. I think two of them were at least. I think it was the first one and the last one. It was a pretty big um, undertaking for the studio, for Warner Brothers, because they they believed in it uh, so much they put $125 million into the first film. Wow. Yeah. It's... So when I went to that place, the things that you get to see when you're walking through explain that. Like, the they created a world. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you walk in, the first thing that you see is the Grand Hall, which in the movies, that's where all the students have their meals. It's still set 
to like an opening dinner meal. It's the most opulent, beautiful thing I've ever seen. Mm. And then they have like so many of the animatronics and, you know, they have them like moving and working and all the different versions of them that they went through to get to, you know, the final version. Yeah. And then they have like Dobby, the house elf and all of the different versions of him. And it's I mean, between the costumes and just the sets themselves are just it. As a big fan of the movies, like I love the world that you get to sink into when you watch the movies, but going and seeing that and getting to see it in real life was absolutely incredible. Uh, when were the books finished? Um, well, the last movie came out in 2011, I believe. Oh, here's how the books came out. 97 was Philosopher's Stone. Mm -hmm. Chamber of Secrets was 98. Prisoner of Azkaban is 99. Goblet of Fire is in 2000. Order of the Phoenix, 2003. Half-Blood Prince, 2005. And Deathly Hallows in 2007. Right. And then in the movies, they split Deathly Hallows into two. Because my question was going to be, did you do you think the studio knew that they were building their franchise around this series of books? And it could have been, because they didn't go into production until 2000, 2001, when one, two, three, four of the books were already out. So going into making the first one, they probably knew that if this did well, they were going to make four yeah. more. Oh, yeah. So if they sunk enough money into it, it could be great. And mm -hmm. if you spend 125 to make a bill and then you rinse and repeat that four times, mm -hmm. you're doing great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm really disappointed to say this. That's 15 minutes. It's not because we had that. Oh, uh, right, right. Um, well, it's close to 15 minutes. I feel enough. like I could talk about this for hours. You can talk about it for another two minutes if you want. I'm gonna then. <laughs> you want to know how much J.K. Rowling is worth? Uh, it will kind of probably make me want to throw up, but yeah. J.K. Rowling is worth at least $670 million, though some say she's a billionaire. <sighs> I have heard that before, that she's a billionaire. It's between. This is a stupid range. It's between $650 million to $1.2 billion. That's double. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's the dumbest range ever. Can we narrow it down a little bit? <laughs> I mean. What does she make per book? Like, silly. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they would do that. I have a stupid little fact for you that is a number of fact that it's not, it won't make your brain hurt like that. Okay. Daniel Radcliffe wore 160 pairs of glasses. <laughs> At one time? Harry's glasses are part of what make the character so iconic, and Radcliffe certainly spent a lot of time wearing specs over the course of filming the eight movies. In total, he went through 160 pairs of glasses in his time as Harry, and about 60 different wands as well. I wonder, and it would be interesting to find out, if there was the same uh, prop master on, because props do glasses and watches. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it would be the same prop master through the whole series of films. It'll take a minute to figure that out, but yeah, um, it's one of the things that, and I, I don't know if I've told this story before, but at at the place outside of London, um, the soundstage, when you get to the end of it, you go into the wand room, and as you're standing there and you're looking, I mean, the the it's circular and the entire walls are full of nothing but wand boxes, and they all have names on them. And as you're looking at it and looking up, you start to notice names that you recognize, like Daniel Radcliffe. Emma Watson and 
as I stood there, like, searching them out, I was like, well, that's really cool. I wonder who all the rest of these people's names are. The person that runs the wand shop came over and, of course, was like, oh, I see that you spotted some of our famous wands. And I was like, of course. I said, who, who's everybody else? And he explained to me that there is a wand box in that room for every single person that was an extra or on the crew in any way on all of the movies. That is a lot. It was incredible. When they tell you that and you're looking, you're just like, so many people. That is a a phenomenal amount of people for 10, eight movies. Yeah, it's it was incredible. So, yeah, every everybody has a wand box. Of their own. Um, hmm. What you got? Uh, I was just trying to... There's no cross-reference between crew members. Um, Chris Columbus did direct the first two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We don't want to cross-pollinate. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to figure out. It would be fun to be... Because a lot of people get... The, the, the crew member that most closely bonds with a cast member mm-hmm. is going to be your props person. Oh, yeah. Um, they got all the fun stuff. They got the they got the swords. They yeah, got the wands. They got the, the glasses, and they're like personally interacting with you. I mean, the sound guy will come up and put your pack on you, but then he'll just fo to the sound right. part. Totally. But the props guy is like, oh, and then you know they're making sure that you're wearing the right thing in conjunction with the script supervisor, making sure everything's continuous. Mm-hmm. That's a word. Look it up. And uh, you know, I know people that. I know actors that have taken their prop guy. It's like, I'm working on this film. You're coming with me. Right. Like, and it's, you know, they're kind of overstepping the production designer because that's, that their department world. is under right. the art department. But if a celebrity goes, hey, I want John mm-hmm. to be my prop guy. Mm-hmm. It's like, Fine. No problem, dude. Like yeah. you're a superstar. Yeah. So, I don't know at that age, if any of those kids would have had the wherewithal to ask to take someone, no. you know, from movie to movie. I don't know that they would even have an idea that that was a possibility. No, I think that the smartest thing would be to have the same studio teacher for the whole Oh, yeah, of, absolutely. You know, I don't I'm know sure the child they, labor laws yeah, in London, but... I'm sure that they did. Um, anyway, that's, well, that is at least 15 minutes. Man! Another one I feel like I could have done hours on. I mean, there's seven more films. It's not like we're going to run true. out. That's true. It's very true. And then we'll have a mega wrap-up. Yeah. Harry Potter wrap-up. Harry Potter wrap-up. Um, cool. Stay tuned tomorrow for Weird Wednesdays, where we get down on some... Kool-Aid! Kool-Aid for Weird Wednesdays? Yeah, we're going to talk about the Jonestown Massacre where they all drink oh, Kool-Aid. I was like, just Kool-Aid? That's not weird enough. Jones- well, the Kool-Aid man is pretty weird. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, Jonestown fits for a Weird Wednesday for sure. Uh, all right, weirdos, we'll see you tomorrow.